verses from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And I'm reading from the Church Bible. My child, if you accept my words and treasure my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Uh, so guess what I'm going to speak on? You can actually shout out as well if you want. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And it, I, from a, when I was a small child, I remember certain things excited me. And pirates and treasure chests and maps were really exciting. And they, I'm not kidding. I loved biblical stories as well and Greek mythology when I was only a small child. But pirates and pirate ships and desert islands were well cool. And I really, really did get kind of excited. And why do we get excited about treasure or treasure hunts? Because of treasure. We like it. It's good. It's precious. It's worth something. And it is a journey. And we do need to follow a map um, to get to that treasure in a way. This is kind of allegorical and, uh, and we're using different words. Even the word treasure. When we're talking, I'm talking about the treasure of heaven. What's in heaven and where we put our treasure. All these words, you could put another word in for it. But it's the way that the Bible speaks about treasure. And you'll just be amazed. I think there's hundreds of references to treasure in God's word in both the Old and the New Testament. It is quite amazing. Mistake one, my notes are upside down. (laughs) Treasure in a strange place. We're so inclined to cover up our poverty and ignore it that we often miss the opportunity to discover God who dwells in it. Let's dare to see our poverty as the land where our treasure is hidden. That's a quote by Henry Newen, not me. I'm not that clever. Uh, my, my language isn't that beautiful. Uh, but another, just a thing about treasure. And the more, I, 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 I reckon I could have preached for a hundred years on just one word on treasure. There is so much, it's a treasury of stuff. The, the word of God. There's a book um, written by Charles Haddon Spurgeon called The Treasury of David. And it's the Psalms. It's Spurgeon's commentary, really, on the Psalms. And he's entitled it, The Treasury of David. All those Psalms, the treasures. 
So, and that was it. That was what, when I was a little kid, I was seeking. And, and we do. You, you see all the gold. And, and I tried to get these images. I hunted round for the images of what I thought a treasure chest looked like. And some of them looked very sad. They weren't, they didn't look like they were full of treasure. Some, they were empty chests. You couldn't see it. There was a few coins in the bottom. Well, that's, that's not going to excite you. You want it full, overflowing with different stuff. Pearls, and golden goblets and jewels. And, and actually, I noticed a bit of a scroll there. So, Whoever could Google images must have been getting very uh, holy and thinking, well, perhaps God's word is, perhaps that's the scripture. Perhaps that's a scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls or something. Uh, but that's that's treasure for you. <laughs> uh, and as Brian Kyler read for us um, from Proverbs, uh, this is, a, again, an image. God's really been speaking to me about this. That's why I believed that Share it with the church because he's speaking to me and I can share what he's spoken to me. This was a, I, I, I send them out uh, to churches. If anyone doesn't want them, a few people have said, don't send me anymore. But I don't know why, but hey, it's not, all our tastes are different. Um, and I send to the church in block um, messages, uh, verse for today it is from Logos, or I think it's Logos. And this was one of them. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What a... That's a treasure chest of of knowledge, of wisdom, of, of everything. And that's what it is. Treasure to a Christian or a Jew. Somebody who's drawn close to the creator God, the Father, Jehovah, Elohim, knows these things, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We understand, I think, what real treasure is. Again, as I said, this link was amazing. UCB's word for today, about three weeks ago, every day was headed the treasure, the treasure, for four days Running, and this is it. Uh, Bob Gass writes word for today. I don't know whether people get it in here. UCBs. I've got it since Abigail, my daughter, kind of cajoled me back into the kingdom after I'd stupidly walked straight away from Jesus, uh, and Abigail was instrumental in that. I uh, subscribed to the word for today, and I've not missed one day in about. 12 years of reading it before I read my Bible. And some of these little uh, devotionals are so wonderful. The Bible is more than just a doctrinal book. Just listen to this, the, the wisdom in this. It creates faith, it produces change, it causes miracles, heals hurts, builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, overcomes adversity, defeats temptation, builds hope, releases power, cleanses minds, brings things into being and guarantees your future. Hallelujah. You can't survive without it. It is essential to your life as food. That's why Job said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Hallelujah. That is it. God's word. Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's life. Not food. You do need food, but that isn't life. That's not true life. 
The Bible is described as milk, bread, solid food, and sweet dessert. <laughs> sweet dessert. Cool. Another bit of my past. Um, who knows where? Oh, who knows where that is? It's got Istanbul on that. Right. The Top Kapi Palace, Istanbul. About 1973 or 4, I can't remember the year, I was in the Royal Marines and we did a big exercise in Turkey, in Turkish Thrace in northern Turkey. And normally after a huge NATO exercise, you get like a week off. So the ships docked in, this, in Istanbul Harbour. And we were given five days R&R. That's what they call it. I did the same in New York City after a big exercise in Canada. That was strange. And I did think, funnily enough, New York was a more of a culture shock than Istanbul. Strange, but it was. Anyway, I digress. Um, the Top Kapi Palace. I went into the Top Kapi Palace and I went into the Sultan's treasury. These are some of the treasures. Those are genuine articles. That diamond is about that big. There's emeralds, sapphires, diamonds, rubies. So huge, the collection, behind huge plate glass, that it actually looked cheap to me. It, did, it looked gaudy and wrong. It just didn't look right. It was overwhelming, the amount of wealth and gold. There were gold candlesticks uh, with... A diamond studded with a large diamond to represent all the books in the Quran, all the separate books in the Quran. There was a bedhead of solid gold encrusted with sapphires and diamonds and rubies and unbelievable amount of wealth to the point of treasure, to the point it became a little bit wrong. I just thought, how tacky. I wasn't a Christian then. I didn't know about God. I didn't know very spiritual things. My mum and my dad never brought me up to go to church. They didn't stop me. I did go to Sunday school and had a few experiences, I believe, spoke to my heart. But I certainly wasn't a Christian. So I wasn't being over-spiritual. And I'm in the Marines at 20 years old, looking at all these jewels and thinking, how tacky. <laughs> but I did. That's it. It's what we treasure. Now, obviously, the Ottoman Empire treasured those those things, uh, a staggering amount of jewels. Our own crown jewels are very similar. Um, I've seen pictures of the crown jewels, but never seen them live, as it were. But I, don't, I know they are so big and so large and so almost tacky that they, what are they in the end? They're just stones and bits of gold, bits of metal, precious metal. Oh, not so precious, Michael. Again, Bob Gasser's um, from the word for today. To treasure God's word means to accept it as our highest authority. This is more now getting into the nitty gritty of what I believe God wants us all to understand. To accept it as your highest authority. That's nothing above it. Your compass for direction, your counsellor in making decisions, your benchmark for evaluating every relationship and action. In other words, the first and the last word in your life. Many of our troubles occur because we base our choices on unreliable authorities like culture. Everyone's doing it. Tradition, we've always done it that way. Reason, it seems logical. Emotion, it just feels right. If we live in a world of, oh, uh, it's good, so do it. 
And I, I'm sure at one point I used to buy into that school of thought. It feels good, so do it. But heroin, injecting it in IV, may feel good. But trust me, it kills you. It will kill you. It will rob you of everything. So not what feels good is necessarily good for you. All these are flawed because they come from within us, not from God. Trust not your heart, for above all things it is evil. God says don't trust it. Don't trust the way you feel. You can't trust the way you feel. Trust God. Trust his word. What we need is a perfect standard that will never lead us into the wrong, in, in the wrong direction. And only God's word meets that criteria. God's word is a treasure beyond understanding. A treasure beyond anything that the top cappy has got in it. Going back to Proverbs. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Just that one verse, that's just so meaningful. I want that to be true of my life. I want I want to listen to what God has to say. And I want to treasure it. I want to turn my ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. I want to cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as I would when I was a little child and I went on a treasure chest, a treasure hunt, as I would for silver and seek them like hidden treasures. That's what we, we should be doing. We should be searching the word of God for treasure. It's, it's precious. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. Again, fearing the Lord isn't... I argued with my deceased stepfather, Peter, my mum's third husband. And he became a Christian later in life, but he was a Christian. And he prayed me back into the kingdom. I was backslidden when he became a Christian. But Peter argued and this, oh, that's nonsense that. You don't fear the Lord. And we do interpret different things, don't we? Slightly differently. And it's not fear like because he's going to kill you any second or ruin your life or take things away from you. But there is a respect and a fear for the Lord. And sometimes there are modern, um, specifically our modern Protestant churches have done that. We've become a bit familiar in the evangelical movement. A little bit too familiar, maybe, with the way, with God, God our Father. And we don't fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I've always loved that that verse from a long, long time ago. And it's getting deeper into me. And I think I'm understanding. If I draw close to a holy God, Moses couldn't look at God. He had to hide him in the cleft of the rock and go past him when he was turned round or he'd have died. We serve, we worship a holy God beyond our understanding. And his glory is his holiness. And that would be so much for a human now that we would die. We would drop dead in front of him if he didn't protect us. Moses had a veil. Even the, the, the other um, Israelites couldn't look at Moses. He had to cover his face because he was glowing with the glory of God. And that glory, trust me, is holiness. It's God's holiness. It is a moral, active thing 
that this world wants to destroy and get, get rid of. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. We need common sense, don't we? He's a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just and fair. People don't understand what's what's right and just and fair anymore. They don't understand what's good or bad. There's no moral compass for a lot of people in the world. There are no absolutes. There's no absolute right or absolute wrong. You make it up. Human society makes up what's right and wrong. That's why we can abort babies. That's why we twist God's holy law and say certain things are legal that aren't legal. Certain things are good that aren't good. Because God says they're not good. Not because we decide what's good. And I think we need to wake up and we need to understand that we need to follow God's word and not cherry pick what we want out of God's word. And it's hard. It's, it's horrible. Certain ministers, Chuck Swindle, great guy, R.T. Kendall, they emptied churches. R.T. Kendall went into Westminster Chapel. And I think it was, say, a thousand people there. By the time he'd preached the word for a few months, there's about 200 people. They went because they didn't like what he had to say. And what was he doing? He was preaching the word of God faithfully, not changing it to the culture that he lived in that says all these things are okay when they're not okay. They're far from okay. They'll lead us to death. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Paul says in Colossians 2, 2-4, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. I'm not here to sound fine. I'm not here to be clever. I believe God wants me to be brutally honest and tell you what he wants you to do. And that search for the treasure of wisdom and knowledge found in Christ. I'm only really repeating what Paul's saying. And sometimes we just need to be more real. Matthew, the kingdom of heaven... Is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything and bought it. Do we do that? I don't think we do. I I know I haven't. I went to, when I became a Christian, I was in the Marines, 
And I went to an apostolic faith church, a Pentecostal church on the edge of Dartmoor. Um, there's three types of Pentecostal church. AOG, I think they're the biggest. Elim, there's a lot of Elim churches around. There's one in Blackburn. And apostolic faith. And there was a prophecy in this church. Very old-fashioned, very similar to this. It was an old, very old church. Probably probably Plymouth Brethren or something like that. I think there was a lot of ex-brethren. Uh, and there's a prophetist, prophecy, and it was for me. God's saying, I am leaning over the balcony of heaven and outstretching out my hand to you. All you have to do is take my hand and I'll lead you where you need to go. And I honestly don't think I've done that yet, to my shame. I'm doing it in stages, but I haven't done it. And I think that is when you've given your all. Every single last atom of myself to God. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want anything else. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He invented time. He's beyond time. He's outside of time. Time means nothing to a holy God. A thousand years is as a thousand days or a day to God. It's nothing. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need the money. He wants you. He wants you lock, stock and barrel. Everything. How foolish when we said, you know, oh, I'll go and get this, I'll get more, build storehouses, and tonight your soul is required of you. What shocking message that must have been. And that can be for all of us. And I'm not saying, I'm not judging here at all. It is the gospel, it's part of the gospel message that we give our hearts to Jesus. We confess him with our mouths and believe in him in our hearts that he is Christ, he is the Messiah, he is God's plan, God's gift, God's treasure. Hallelujah. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. The now I won't even say it. I just think there's a story about a rich sheikh who put all his money in it. No, forget it. But that that's it. Just store up treasure in heaven. It's no good storing up things here. And it really isn't. I've, God has blessed me in a way, in sometimes in persecution. Because when I walked away from God, I also walked away from a job, from a wife, from a family, from a house, from friends. I walked away from everything. And I was utterly self-absorbed and utterly selfish. And I thought, I'll do it my way. Well, that stupid song that Frank Sinatra, I don't think he wrote it, but he sang it. And it's the most common song, most popular song at humanist funerals I did it my way it, 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 it's laughable but so sad I did it my way I've been to humanist funerals I've, I've been asked to lead a funeral for a humanist and I said well I've got to mention God I'm sorry so they all gone then so I did but how sad godless funeral no hope without God and without hope in this world it is seriously stupid. It's seriously foolish. It isn't wisdom. It's just the opposite. It's suicidal foolishness to push God away. 
God's word's like a seed. It's filled with potential. Hallelujah. Jesus said the words I have spoken to you are life. And sometimes going back to what we think is treasure, those top copy jewels and what I thought was precious or a treasure. It really isn't. Water is unbelievably precious if you're in a desert with no water and your children are dying and your cattle are dying and your crops are dying. That's precious. That is the most precious thing on earth that you could think of. But if you're in the middle of Scotland, in one of the glens, I don't think they really think of that the same. It makes them money, hydroelectricity. But I don't think they quite think think like the Bedouins or the Tuareg tribes people in the empty quarter of the Sahara. They just don't feel quite the same. They don't see it in that perspective. But trust me, whether you believe it, whether you understand it, the most precious thing, not on earth, the most precious thing in our universe is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's beyond understanding. It's beyond precious. It is literally priceless. Hallelujah. Two Corinthians four seven. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we are we are like we are, we are, but ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Was this the theme a few years ago at the when we went away, when Richard was with us, and we were jars of clay? We understood that that was the teaching from it. Uh, and it's and we are we're, we're, we've got a precious commodity, but we are cracked earthen vessels that aren't right. But in our cracked earthen vessels, something can shine out of those cracks if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the world can see it, and the world wants to know about it. Trust me, although the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, um, they do want to know. The, the, even the atheists want to make some form of religion. They're religionless, so they realise they need it. We need to worship somebody. One of our songs then, the reason I'm created, my raison d'etre is to worship God. God created us to worship him. For nothing else, that's what he created you for, to worship him. And we will not be happy until we're doing that. Until we find, we will have no rest until we find our rest in God. That's Augustine. Amazing. D.L. Moody. Sure, uh, you've heard of Dwight Moody. A great preacher, Bible, he opened a Bible college in America. The Bible wasn't give to, given to increase our knowledge but change our lives. So go back to what I prayed at the beginning of this. Uh, that will, God will do something in our lives. He'll change us. And we'll not be changed until we search for those treasures. Till we look, open up our Bibles and make it a treasure. I'm drawing to a close now. You're only 18 slides, don't worry. This is one, an old Sharon hymn. I've found the pearl of greatest price, 
my heart doth sing for joy. And sing I must, for Christ I have. Oh, what a Christ have I. Hallelujah. The pearl of great price. And I remember singing that in Sharon on a Sunday morning and just feeling like I am going to levitate to heaven because I was so blessed, so full of the Holy Spirit because of what God had done for me. I didn't deserve anything. I deserved hell. But his mercy said, no, you're mine. You're precious to me. So precious, the definition, so precious that his value cannot be determined. That's the pearl of great price. Its value cannot be determined. This is from the message uh, for um, Marilyn. She loves the message. (laughs) Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank... Have I? Yes. Yeah. A bank in heaven, far from bank robbers. Same from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. I thought that was hilarious. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will want to be and end up being. I thought that was so different than the other translations. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's a really famous Lots of people know it. I, it's like I've no, never not known that verse. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So don't kid yourself this morning. If you're thinking, my real treasure is, I don't know, could be football, could be your family, could be your car, could be a house, could be a hobby, could be a job. But if there's something that you dwell on, m- more than anything else. That in truth is your treasure. So don't kid yourself. If it's not God, if it's not the word of God, if it's not heaven, if it's not the life that God wants to give you, then it isn't your treasure. I'm not saying I've arrived at some fantastic point in my Christian life that everything's all hunky-dory. Not at all. But God just wants to push us in that direction of, I want you to find me, my word, my son, the Holy Spirit, precious, and each other. Because if we are the body of Christ, if we are made in God's image, if we are baptised into his death and risen when we're baptised into resurrection power, then we are part of Jesus, part of God. Don't know how it works. I don't know the theology, can't understand it, well beyond my ken, theology, theologically, philosophically, physically. It's, it's mind-blowing, but we are. Trust me, we are. We belong to God. We are his precious children, and he chose us. Some people, times we think we chose him. No, he chose us. He, he did everything. He's the active ingredient in everything. He chose you. He looked after you. He went for you. He spoke to you. His spirit spoke into your heart. Because he loves you so much. Because you are precious. You're his treasure. The apple of his eye. 